The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome wrestling fans to the Ice Hour. This podcast is aimed at promoting the world of Division Three college wrestling and is named for the late Hall of Fame coach Dave Eisenhower. Here we'll talk about topics and news that's relevant to those who compete for the love of the sport in Division Three. The Ice Hour is sponsored by My House Sports Gear. Check out their line of wrestling gear and apparel at MyHouseSportsGear.com. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app by going to MattTalkOnline.com slash ice. Another season of the Ice Hour coming at you as 2017-2018 is set to take hold today. We're going to be talking everybody's favorite Division Three topic, and it's not transfers, it's realignment with Washington and Lee head wrestling coach Nathan Shearer. He is the chairman of the NCAA Division Three Wrestling Committee. We'll talk a little bit about WNL Wrestling and, of course, this fun, fun summer we had with Division Three realignment. First of all, Coach Shearer, welcome to the Ice Hour. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Uh, looking forward to... Talk about everything going on in Division Three. Well, you've been a D three guy your your entire you know post high school career uh, with a career at Ohio Northern coaching at Heidelberg and first uh, and now your your head coaching job here at WNL in Lexington, Virginia. For those who are unaware geographically, but uh, what was one thing? Let's go back right to your high school career coming out. Uh, why did you choose Division Three? Well, I would say uh, most of it was I came from a small town and Ohio Northern checked a couple boxes for me. Obviously, it was even smaller than my original hometown. Um, but then also timing played an issue. Going into my freshman year of college, I had um, grown up going to the um, Jeff Jordan's camps down there in St. Paris. And at the time, Matt Derlin was transferring from St. Paris as an assistant high school coach. And he was coming on to at Ohio Northern as an assistant coach. And I just had a really good relationship over the past few summers, um, going to camp and those two things kind of just made it an easy decision. What point did you realize through your college career that you wanted to be a coach? I, I would say pretty early on. I mean, I, I was really fortunate to be around some really amazing coaches and people. Um, and I didn't want to leave out Ron Beecher also was a coach there. He made it, I mean, even that much easier to go there, but a uh, coach Beecher, uh, Matt Derlin, Tim Derlin, Jeff Jordan, and, and so just a lot of just amazing coaches and people that um, made a really difficult sport um, really fun to learn and grow in. So I just thought I'd uh, like to stay in it somehow. I didn't really know how at the time. I don't know if you really can ever tell, but um, here I am. <laughs> so We look at the situation with your coaching career. You had an opportunity to be a head coach at Heidelberg, a school in Ohio, where a state you know well. Uh, why leave Heidelberg for an opportunity at Washington and Lee a couple years ago? Now this is your uh, your seventh season in Lexington. Yeah, uh, correct. And, and and also I grew up about 12 miles from Heidelberg, and I have some family that lives in the same town. Um, you know, it it was just a it was just a situation that you, uh, just an opportunity presented itself, and my wife had actually looked at Washington and Lee when she was looking at schools. Um, it wasn't really that much on my radar. I didn't really know that much about it. Uh, had never really left Ohio. Um, and we were, the family was growing at the time and, and she really impressed on me how, how beautiful the, the area of Virginia was and in the school and, and how nice everything was down there. And, um, so I, I, I took a peek at it 
and, and came down and just kind of fell in love with the whole Shenandoah Valley, uh, the campus and the community. And um, it wasn't easy leaving, but I, I really have never regretted it or looked back and, 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 and see myself here for a long time. Yeah, definitely. I've made that drive down I-81, uh, up and down I-81 various times throughout the course of my life. And fall in Southwest Virginia is kind of a hard thing to beat, even though you guys are kind of on that edge of what's considered Southwest Virginia. I'd say it's Southwest Virginia, in my opinion, but uh, yeah. you know, the weather weather there this time of year is awesome. We're right in the wheelhouse. I mean, you 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 wake up and you go to bed, and you know it's high forties, low fifties, and then between ten and five, it's seventy five and eighty, and just it's it makes it easy. That's for sure. And what's also interesting geographically is. You know, WNL and VMI have occupied a lot of space in Lexington as far as a wrestling town goes for a number of years. But uh, with the advent of uh, Southern Virginia creating a program and, and moving to Division Three and being championship eligible now, uh, they're right across the street essentially in Buena Vista, then Ferrum right down the road, Avert starting programs, I mean, Hampton, Sydney. Virginia at the Division Three level is growing. And of course, right there where you guys are at, you got just a couple college teams within the same neighborhood essentially. Oh, when I first, um, came to Virginia, Washington Lee was the only Division Three program. In just a very short time, those schools you mentioned, SVU, Hampton, Sydney, um, Averett, Ferrum, Greensboro is not that far away, has just added. And there's always a, um, there's a few strong club programs and some rumblings that um, hopefully the ODAC can maybe add some more to that or other schools outside that. Yeah, of course, the ODAC, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, primarily the private colleges within the state of Virginia uh, from a, from a Division three standpoint, I remember back and it what used to be the USA South dictated it now, which was the old Dixie Conference. We can't say Dixie anymore. So uh, and now those teams have all shifted around. So uh, the landscape of Division three, at least in my home state, definitely has been changing. Because back in the day when I grew up, uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know a whole lot about WNL wrestling. And what are you trying to do within the state of Virginia to try to you know expose more people within the state that don't realize that WNL is and will be an option? No, it's um. You know, I, I tell you, for example, this first this year is only the second wrestler on our team from the state of Virginia will have on our roster. Um, so the university itself it draws nationally, so um, and the admissions are really competitive. And and then there's a lot of people in, in Virginia that don't realize Washington Lee exists. So you have a couple factors and combinations that add up to if look at our roster, and it's not always Virginia guys, even though we would love to have more. Um, it's just you're dealing with a small private school that incoming class is, is around 450 students and um, you know it makes it difficult to, to, to have a lot of Virginia guys in our team but um, it's not for a lack of effort um, sometimes awareness and we're just you know get ourselves out there there's a lot of events on the eastern uh, part of the United States here you know high school nationals super 32 a lot of things up in, in, in DC. And just um, working with VAWA and and, uh, and and things like that. Well, you mentioned VAWA there, of course. Uh, both of your 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 past and present assistant coaches have served on the staff. What's it meant to have guys? You know, Adam Wilson is now uh, he's left. He's gone up uh, to Olivet, and then you've also picked up Alex Radsky on your staff. He's been a part of uh, the Virginia Wrestling Association. What's it mean to have a part of your staff as part of the USA Wrestling chapter in Virginia? I think it's it's important just to be in tune with what the at the local and, and state and then at the national level of what's going on. I mean, so at the local level, we have a youth club running out of uh, our wrestling room. Um, in the state level, uh, try to be always be involved in 
in the training camps or tournaments or uh, as many uh, logistical things as we can get our hands on. And then at the national level, um, you know, I guess it, you know, it, it would just keep going from there, but I mean, really important. It's, it, we're, we're all in this together to see wrestling to, to grow and continue to add programs, whether it be, um, any division, uh, NCWA and NAIA, to me, it really doesn't matter. As we come to the growth in division three, uh, Averett, Hampton, Sydney, uh, Southern Virginia, you know, Ferrum especially, they've kind of kind of been carrying the banner as new programs that have seen success. Uh, what has Ferrum's success done, uh, I guess, tangentially or, or basically by, you know, grow, you know, rising tide, so to speak? What have they done for acknowledgement and respect for Division Three wrestling within uh, just the fan base in the state of Virginia that you've seen? No, it's it was our we went to their first home meet there. And uh, a side note, we also left out Ryan Riggs. He coached with me at both Heidelberg and WNL, who's um, not only involved in the in the some of the Vawa things, but also women's wrestling for a, a little bit. Um, but uh, Farron's first home match was against us. The Roanoke news crew is there. The gym was packed and. Uh, Coach Yetzer and Riggs, I tell you what, they just do a phenomenal job of getting energy up in that campus and getting students out, and they've gotten their administration to buy in, um, and, and they're really just they've they've hit the ground running. I mean, they they hired the right people, and they're just it's fantastic to to see other programs do that good, and when they're when they're also ran by really great people. You're bringing guys to nationals where in the past uh, WNL. Didn't really uh, wasn't really a, a player when it came to Division three wrestling, despite uh, you know obviously with the academic rigors and the the focus the school has on uh, you know its academic and just uh, just fantastic type of uh, atmosphere. But when you're getting one guy to the show, and then all of a sudden you're getting two guys to the show, what's the show the administration and and has it kind of changed their uh, their viewpoint on the sport of wrestling on campus? Yeah, I don't necessarily know if it's changed their viewpoint. They're just really excited about the the experience the student athletes here are having um, by having um, myself and coaches and, and, and everyone just put a lot of energy and effort into what we're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, and they're the ones putting in all the work. It's uh, us as coaches. We're just kind of guiding them along. But they, they do really like it. I mean, all our sports here do extremely well. Um, and I just would like to be in that conversation of just another sport here doing extremely well. But I would say, I mean, our athletic director, Jan Hathorne, she's amazing. Last year, she drove about seven hours just to see us wrestle at our conference tournament. Um, you know, one way there and back. We, we, it was up in New Jersey. And yeah, I just thought that was kind of, it made me feel good as a wrestling coach. I mean, she got in the car, drove up there and back and, and, uh, and, and loved sitting there all day watching wrestling. So it was kind of, it was kind of neat. As we look at the the program and, and where it's going, just one all American in the school's history coming back in 1989, so close to getting that, that number uh, doubled last year. What's it going to mean for you and the school to, to put another wrestler on that podium and, and have it be, you know, these kids weren't alive when the last one happened. Yeah, no, um, the, the middle 80s, Rich Redfoot uh, was, a, was the last All-American. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, there was Rich Redfoot and then only one other qualifier since then. Oh, what's it, what's it mean? Hey, you know, probably a great deal just to, you mentioned last year, we're, um, our, our, our 133-pounder, Zach Bilk-Bash, he went 2-2. Two and two and um, 
yeah, I really believe his freshman year he could have been All-American. I, I believe last year he could have been All-American. It's just the margin for error at the national tournament is, you know, I'd say razor thin or none and just a couple of small mistakes. But, yeah, just it would be tremendous, I think, you know, for the for the school and, and everybody that, uh, that is on the team, whether that was the guy or not, because, you know, as, as, as wrestling teams go, like everyone's everyone's in it together. No, a big point of getting to the tournament and having that that room for error at least to talk about is getting to the tournament. And last year, quite the contentiousness uh, within Division Three and the coaches uh, with the regional alignment procedure. You are the chair of the Division Three Wrestling Committee, replacing Dave Kemi, who uh, rolled off of the uh, the committee this year. First of all, what is your role there? How does it work? What's the structure of the D three Wrestling Committee? Yeah, so I'm I'm replacing Dave Kemi. I am the uh, Division Three NCAA Wrestling Chair, and we work with um, kind of all the logistics that surround the NCAA Championships event in March. So um, regional realignment, um, coordinating officials, um, the actual logistics of the tournament, and, and, and those things. All right, so when this thing starts rolling, let's just get right to the regionalization and, and how the breakup was. Uh, there was some unbalanced regions, according to some, uh, based on they're basically questioning how how are these regions split up? Our conferences wanting to be together, they want to be split. Uh, there's basically teams dropping. There's being teams added in various regions. It's, it was a real mess on uh, where where teams were. You had teams in the same city separated by a mile that were in different regions. I mean, it was it was a bit of a mess. So, uh, uh, what were your initial reactions coming into this? Like, all right, here we go. We got to do this this uh, regionalization discussion. Yeah, so my my everyone on the committee has a a four year appointment. Um, when I was first appointed to the committee, um, we were we were still under a, a moratorium that we were not allowed to make any changes, and so we had some influx of teams that just based on where they fell, we we um, just included those into uh, the actual region. And as we talked about kind of at the beginning, we we, we saw some gr- some rapid growth in in some small areas of the country. Um, that kind of threw out the balance of things. Um, fast forward a couple years, and um, last April w- we met at the annual convention. Um, we we had uh, endless dialogue discussion, you know, and it obviously started before that meeting, but um, that was where we were really going to get into the thick of things. Uh, coming out of that meeting, um, we we present a few things to the championships committee, which is a layer above us in the NCA structure. And uh, they lend some guidance back to our committee and, and a few points of emphasis what, what they, they felt was important in the NCA structure. Um, to answer your question, the conference affiliation, uh, there's, a, there's a bylaw in there that requests that all conferences um, will stay together at the regional level. Um, so it's kind of the, with that directive, um, regionalizations and geography is also important to them. Um, access to the championships, so whether it's number of participants um, or number of wrestlers in a bracket or number of teams in a region, and then obviously competitive, a little bit of competitiveness. Um, so we had that kind of blueprint and guideline to work with, and um, um, it, you know it's posted now and it was approved by the champs committee, and that's kind of how we got from there to where we are now. How nerve wracking was the whole process? I I wish I could say sometimes it was you know I, it was I don't know about nerve wracking but you know not stressful just you know, you're trying to do the right thing and you have a lot of 
really intelligent people coming together on this and, and everybody's working and, um, and it, uh, you're, you're just trying to, at the end of the day, when, when it, when it ends and when it's all over that, that people can really, something they can get behind and feel good about. I, I think that happened. I mean, we had 78% of coaches and administrators, uh, vote in favor of it. So I think that's kind of a testament to the output that, and, and I've gotten just a, a, a ton of positive feedback. Um, I, and not to say that's perfect. I'm not sure we can re- reach perfection with some of the limitations we have, but um, um, but I think the the needle moved in, in a large part in, in in a good direction. With over a hundred teams now in Division Three, with uh, according to my numbers, it looks like 23 new programs since 2011 alone, and that is that has created just an influx of teams, as you said, and they're again and in, in different geographical areas not a lot of them are are occurring you know out west i mean pacific is sitting out there by themselves going hey hey yeah. oregon guys hey how about us but uh, you know nebraska wesleyan was added recently uh that's their their i guess their neighbor when it comes to uh division three wrestling but we get teams like the ozarks adding in, in arkansas huntington in alabama uh you know hampton sydney and virginia the southeast adding programs when you get to that geographic discussion how difficult is it to say, all right, we need to create a geographic region, and on the flip side is there these are brand new teams, so you're, you're, you could be loading up a region with a lot of teams with not a whole lot of uh, quote unquote power. No, yeah, I mean, you, you you kind of touch on a subject that maybe ninety five percent of the de- you know debate can be revol- revolved around. Um, one of the things that made it a little bit simpler is if you look at the that that NCAA bylaw and I, and I off the top of my head I want to say it's thirty one um, point something point something um, but it refers to the conference affiliation it, it, it that captured about almost eighty schools so it really it really helped us iron it out in a, in a way that um, and we were able to fill in and match things up and um, and kind of come up with a solution but it, I mean it, it does get difficult you know. You, Ferrum, just a few years ago, was an added program. Uh, they won our region, and so the pendulum can swing very quickly with the right people in there and, and the right resources and the and, and the push behind the university. You can if you can very quickly make some big strides, and so it gets a difficult um, discussion because um, they may not be strong right now, but very quickly it can, it can turn. Yeah, Ferrum's going to be an example here. So, say last year's team Ferrum had was they performed very well and had what I think four guys sitting there that lost the match to qualify for nationals. Now, if you look at the current realignment, they're they're looking and say, okay, a lot of those guys probably would have gone. So you you've created an, another power team potentially out of this regional alignment. Um, obviously, that's probably a good thing for teams to challenge Augsburg and Wartburg, but. Uh, this structure is going to create an opportunity for, I mean, we've seen Wabash come out and create themselves as a power team out of their region. They're going to be super strong, uh, you know, out of the central, even more so now. But, uh, you know, the, do you think this has created a little bit more team parity when we get to the national tournament? Yeah, I, I really, I mean, Johnson and Wales is another team. Look in the Northeast. Um, I, were they second last year, I believe? They, yeah. they brought home a, a team trunk trophy. Oh, you have Wabash, uh, uh, Farum. Um, you're right. Yeah, looking at last year's team, they they and 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 knowing those guys, I, I don't see them getting worse. I mean, they're a fantastic <laughs> group. <laughs> um, I think at this 
tremendous for Division Three. The growth of the sport uh, to to have different schools in different regions, um, you know, getting it going. And I think it it helps when administrations can look and say, hey, here's something we can add, and we're looking to increase our enrollment. And they look at if we do do due diligence and, and put some resources behind it and hire the right person or people, um, we can be really competitive in, in, a sh- in a relatively short window, I think, compared to other sports. Now, as far as these regional representation goes, that was a sticking point with the last proposal being approved. So now we've got a number of administrators and coaches that are representative of each region. How does the structure work from here moving forward? Right. So um, each region in from now, um, myself and Roger Krebs, who's also on the committee, he's Lycoming's head coach. Uh, we both happen to fall within the same region when we made it up. So I'll actually be um, representing the Mideast region for this year, um, even though my team's in the Southeast. Now, when I rotate off the committee, someone from the Mideast will, will, will be appointed for that. Uh, but each region, so you have the Central, the Southeast, the Lower Midwest, the Mideast, the Northeast, and the Upper Midwest, will all, or Upper Midwest, excuse me, will all have a region rep to, um, to be a voice for the coaches and schools in, in that territory. And with the the biggest shift, it seems, is the West, or which is now known as the the Upper Midwest, is uh, pretty much the rest of the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference has shifted over. Uh, in the past, it was split. I know that Dave Malachek said at one point last year he's got to go past like four or five conference schools to get to another regional, and now uh, all his U- University of Wisconsin schools are all in the same region. At first glance, trying to take your your coaching and your competitive nature outside of it, you look at it and you're like, okay, 17, 17, 18, 18, 17, 17. Geographically, I think only the Southeast is a little wonky. Uh, you know, what were your overall impressions once that, once you actually saw it out on paper? I, I, we, I don't know, we, we felt maybe it's not all that perfect, but when you keep those conferences together, you don't have a lot of wiggle room sometimes. Um, and that's one of the, it, it was difficult even for me as a coach because that bylaw has never came up before in, in Division three wrestling. Um, so the spring, that that bylaw was came up, um, and once we worked with that, I, I, I think it did, we did a pretty good job. I think those Wisconsin Minnesota schools just making more of a natural region that they can all fit into. Uh, you mentioned the southeast. You know, there's a few schools if you look at a map, map plot. I say a uh, map plot, and um, and you color code it. There are a little. There's a couple that will drive past, but again, we had to keep those conferences together. Um, you know, I, I know Delaware Valley Colleges is going to drive past Elizabethtown as they switch regions. Um, but Delaware Valley is in, in the same conference as, uh, you know, Lycoming and Wilkes and, and uh, Messiah, I believe. So um, we kind of had to keep them pulled over here. Um, keeping It was very important to keep the, the regions um, as numerically balanced. Uh, we as a committee and coaching body felt that was, that was important to, to everyone. So um, I, I think there's some minor adjustments in room improvement i I shouldn't say i i think we all do but i think um at the same time we're we're, we we just made a huge stride and i think over the next uh you know few cycles here we can get really ironed out now as teams get added what is the the process for how long these regions are going to be in place is there a contingency to where okay this team's coming in these teams are going to shift i mean uh, it, it seems logical that if there's a team in new england added that that pushes the westernmost team in that region to the next region because we've got we have four more teams coming in this season 
or this you know fourth this season and then four or five more next year. So uh, this thing is it, it's not going to stop. And, and we hope it doesn't. Um, we these these are these are great problems. So right now we're on a four year um, holding pattern and placing these schools as they fall on the map into that region. Um, however, at the annual meeting, our our we as a committee we can make recommendations to the championships committee. Um, it doesn't mean they have to approve it, but um, certainly if if there's a there's a uh, a a case to be made. I don't see a situation where maybe we don't explore that. Um, the championship committee has asked for a four-year stay. Um, doesn't mean we can't make a recommendation. Um, maybe it gets approved. Maybe it doesn't. Um, yet we're we we see on the horizon. It, this is not slowing down. Yeah, next year it's also interesting because Ohio Wesleyan fires back uh, uh, fires up. Wilmington starts their program over again. Defiance has just announced that they're searching for a coach. So that's three of the five that are coming in next year as of right now, that are going to be in the state of Ohio. Now, I haven't looked to see what their what their conference affiliations is uh, are, excuse me, with my bad language, talking to a guy from WNL. Uh, but the three right there, and that, that seems logical, say, okay, without looking at the conference alignment, okay, Central Region, who's going where now? Because <laughs> it starts to get fun when you get the clusters coming in. Right. Um, well, right, yeah, right Right now, to, to be honest, we're on uh, securing officials and regional sites, and we're and since we just got done with the this new realignment, you know that we'll probably wait um, over the next couple of months. We'll we'll discuss these things, but but absolutely, it's going to be. Um, it, I think everything is on the table um, uh, from for making small shifts to uh, potentially. I think we as a group would like to explore um, adding qualifiers um, to, to the national tournament or. You know, as we as a group, there's there's a lot of different ways. Um, is that number of regionals? Is that adding initial wild cards? I mean, there there's a lot of good exploration and, and communication going on with with the group and the coaching body and through the NWCA um, to to navigate the influx of all all these teams. Yeah, and so right now we're let's see what 180. Is that if am I correct here? Qualifiers. Yep. Yeah, and then so. Uh, logically, with I don't know what the sliding scale is in terms of number of participation that the NCA has. Well, what what is that? Is it what is the limitation on qualifiers in terms of what needs to be uh, secured and adjusted? I know Division Three is looking, uh, Division Two is looking for more qualifiers, uh, which may in turn help Division Three get more. Yeah, and I think I think I just saw Division Two did that approve. It might have approved, um, or at least they requested. Um, it, it, that's kind of the the mystery question that I actually, even as a chair, don't know the answer to. Um, they, we don't know what the exact, uh, ratio or number is, um, but I, I am led to believe it, or we as a group are led to believe that it falls on a total participation scale too. So it's not necessarily, it doesn't seem like the, the, the numerical quantitative number of teams, but from my, from what we understand as our group, it could fall under the actual participation numbers, um, amongst the total body of schools. Um, I think that uh, we think that plays a factor in it. Um, but we're, I don't know, is that 120 teams? We're, we're really not sure because we're not sure what the roster sizes would be. Well, also looking at Division Three and Division One, Division Two, they don't have the same rules. Whereas uh, in terms of rules, meaning the type of a, a number of teams and, and athletes, because Division One, your minimums are six men's sports, eight women's sports. 
And Division Three, you've got sports upon sports upon sports. I mean, you got some schools in Division Three have thirty sports, so you're looking at significantly more cost to run those championships from an NCAA perspective. But my next question is: is what what do you think the most logical step is if we keep the six regions? Okay, is it simply go all right? Let's get uh, instead of top three per region, let's go top four, make it a nice even twenty four man bracket. No, I mean we're exploring that for sure. Um, is it at us? Is it at seven regions? And I'm um, nothing's been formally, um, you know, thrown to the championship. Maybe I'm just kind of oh yeah, um, incrementally, you know, seven top three from seven. I, I think you're going to get to eight eventually, just because the way you know wrestling's going to start growing in the south. Uh, the south, these these division threes that are popping up down there, or schools that are reclassifying uh, from various divisions are going to make things. Uh, they're, they're, I think there's going to be definitely a, a boom in in gaps where there is division three populations, but there's not division three wrestling yet. Right, and, and, and maybe it's a situation of adding. Um, maybe there's a, a hybrid of our our concrete top three finishers qualify to maybe sprinkling in some type of RPI number that can take, um, you know, say the next best one twenty five pounder in the country of, of a fourth place kid that um, makes it way there. It, there's. I'm not sure where the discussion is going. We don't have anything set yet, but um, like I said, between I've been, that's kind of like our next thing. We we just got through regional alignment, um, and that's kind of the next, um, the topic of what do we do with all these programs are adding? Um, what, what is it more regions, more qualifiers? Is it um, to take a couple wild cards from each region? No, there's, um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years. Moving the next couple of years, this year's championships are going to be in Cleveland, followed by the NCAA Division Three championships coming to Roanoke, which is something I know uh, I think you're excited for. I know Yetzer's excited for. I'm excited for because hopefully I get the opportunity to check it out there. Then we go uh, Cedar Rapids, lacrosse Cedar Rapids. Uh, one, you know Cleveland because you're an Ohio guy, I would assume. Uh, Roanoke, you're, you're about, what, an hour away, hour and a half away, depending on uh, traffic and, and I, I-81 uh you know, tractor trailers, Cedar Rapids, lacrosse, we know as locations. When you look at the next four sites that were announced by the NCAA uh, last spring, what was the first thing that jumped out at you besides saying, oh, all right, we're, we're close to home for fair for the, no, uh, for the yeah, 19. No. Well, yeah. Well, for, yeah. In Cleveland, um, we're back. We're at the public auditorium. I believe is that the official name? I just use it as the high school nationals. The uh, public location. hall or public, public auditorium, hall. I think is either one of those are interchangeable. Um, and the U.S. Open's been held there, D2 Nationals. And uh, we had a great site visit last week. And I think we've we come up with some things that I think is going to uh, enhance or create a really unique championship event. Now, we still have to hammer out some logistics, but we're, we're throwing around some ideas that I think I'm pretty sure will have, would have never been done in Division Three before. Um, for sure, the championships and maybe not on even any any, any campus in Division Three. So I think... Um, we're trying to work something out there. Um, and, and you know, of course, the Roanoke one, uh, Gary Holden, who um, used to be he, Plymouth State wrestling coach. He's the uh, sports information director, associate AD at Ferrum. He was really big on getting behind and, and getting the championships to Roanoke. And, and they're going to do a tremendous job. It's going to be a, a fantastic experience. And in lacrosse and Cedar Rapids, I mean, we've both been out there multiple times. I mean, just top shelf. Um, I, I honestly think our Division Three championships are they're a spectacular event, um, and they're well attended. And um, lately, by having it in these venues, 
I, I think it's wrapped, ramped up over probably the last 10 years. The, the championship experience for the, for the athletes has been, has been nothing short. So, you know, I advocate to fans all the time that the division three championships are, are one of the most fun events that I've actually had the opportunity to cover. And I, you know, I get to go to the Olympics and world championships. So uh, that's a lot of fun, folks. The D3s are, I'm super excited in a, at a personal level, even though I grew up four hours from Roanoke on the other side of the state to the opportunity to go to my home state and check out the national championships. I know that the Roanoke Civic Center, the Berglund Center is there. They're branding it. They've, they've done a lot of work to it. It's now, uh, I apparently, uh, I've heard it's just an amazing facility. Uh, I'm not I'm not a super fan of the other facility that might be in the region. Uh, we won't call out that particular arena, <laughs> but it might rhyme with Alem Ivic Enter. So, uh, but yeah, what, you've been in the, the Berglund Center. What, what do you yeah. think this is going to bring to, uh, to Division Three wrestling for the championship sites? I, I think it's very similar to the Cedar Rapids situation um and it's funny you mentioned um the the other location i, 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 I specifically not mentioned that <laughs> i specifically not mentioned it when i went there i didn't realize um so i met with the um the 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 man that ran the um the the roanoke civic center and when i mentioned that there was somewhere nearby that had hosted other events um it became a matter of pride that they wanted it there <laughs> and, and uh, i didn't realize that there was a little bit of division um or competition, friendly competition. And so, I, but they, they upgraded their, I believe their seating since I've been there. So our regional was hosted there um, three years ago. And um, great platform for the regional, a little dated on the facility side, on the uh, um, aesthetics, but they went ahead and they, they upgraded all the seating, put video boards in, monitor boards. And it, it's going to be, I'd say, really similar to Cedar Rapids and lacrosse. It's going gonna, it's gonna to really be a good venue. And one thing we also need to pay attention to is the world of wrestling tends to center around the 76 schools in Division One. And there's been recently uh, news talked about about the Blue Ribbon Task Force aimed at uh, Division One, talk about moving the season and things of that nature. And one of the lines in there was uh, Division Two and Division Three would not necessarily be impacted because if their season didn't move, um, you know, because I know if they move the season, it affects you know it'll affect a program like Kings Point, which in the in the second semester, their their guys go out to sea, so they might not even be able to have a team if they sh- if Division three shifts its entire season like Division one plans to, but or, or has having talks about. Uh, where is your position on uh, the the seasonal alignment, the one semester sport, and how it impacts Division three? Yeah, I, and this is just my personal opinion, nothing to do with. Um, yeah, this is not committee. This is yeah. not uh, regional. <laughs> no. This is this is Nate the coach. Yeah, I I, I see I see Division three. Um, way being reactionary and i don't mean that in a bad way um it, it just for as long as i've been going to the convention thing like that and it, it seems like moving to a one semester and creating some type of dual championship single championship event division one has been it's been talked about for a long time and, and maybe it does have more momentum now it just seems like it, it's um things get repackaged and presented in different ways multiple times um but i think first i, I think probably as, a, as our body will We'll wait to see if that actually uh, comes to fruition. If that if that does happen, and then and we have our pulse on this situation. I, I think everyone does, but to see what happens there. Um, but I think then also react and, and do what's best for Division Three, um, as far as that goes. I, I can remember a, a, a an unofficial straw poll, probably I don't know eight eight nine ten years ago, um, didn't go over well at the at the, at the convention, um, where where I know the coaches. We're unanimous on on maintaining the current season, um, and there's just a lot of factors. I mean, you have the administration, sports information, athletic training, 
crossover spring sports. Um, you know, a lot of logistics that to hammer out on, on, on these small campuses where a lot of people have dual hats too, uh, multiple roles, uh, a lot different than division one. So there's, I think there's also different things that have to be looked at. Um, but I, I think more of a cautious wait, wait and see how close they get to actually doing an approach before we maybe get into that. But yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Would it be a bit of a, would it be a fair statement to say that the way you build your program isn't necessarily designed on dual meet strength based on, you know, the small, small admission sizes, the competitiveness, you, you're, you're not going to carry a roster of 50 guys. Um, so you're gearing towards more, uh, tournament based type of stuff. So a duels championship doesn't really impact your program. No, absolutely. I mean, we, we want to win duels. We want to be, you know, we want we'd like to get an, an invite to the national duels and, and, and compete in those. Um, you know, the, there are some things you mentioned that make it difficult to be, um, you know, for example, a top eight dual meet team versus have individuals place top eight. Um, uh, yeah, here it's going to be, it's going to be easier having multiple individuals be a top eight than our whole team being a top eight team. Um, you know, that's just probably the reality of looking at our situation. Um, you know, and, and we're not the only ones. And there's, there's division three programs that have roster, small, pretty small roster caps. Uh, so it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, um, there, there's a lot of that in regional alignment. That's another, that's very, uh, a very heated debate and contested subject. Once you get all the coaches in a room, because, you know, you're looking at it from your perspective on, on what it means to your team. And, and it's hard to look at the big picture when, you know, you, you report back to your school and you're on that campus, you know, 365 days a year. Final question. I always like to ask this of all the coaches that are on the program. What's the best thing about being a division three wrestling coach? Yeah. I mean, division three really lets me see the guys in, in all, all aspects of, of what they're passionate about. Um, and by meaning that we have guys that are, that go to, um, go to London and study, go to Oxford, um, abroad and so they're 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 great tremendous students uh athletically they're they're putting a lot of time and energy and and focus into their sport and then you know when our season ends there are internships and research opportunities and so you kind of kind of see that the holistic that 360 degree approach to um to the to that individual um and 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 i say this all the time thankful you know really you know a lot of our jobs aren't are on wins and losses about the about the value we're adding to the university and the experience that our, our student athletes are, are having on campus. And um, it doesn't mean we're not competitive in, in, in trying to, in trying to win. Um, it just means that I think you can be a little bit more relaxed and, and enjoy all those things. Um, and, and of course the influx of uh, uh, work-life balance and, and spending time with personal family and three kids and um, you know, all the coaches I know in division one, that's, I, I know that's a, it's a major stress, and um, I, I'm to be honest, I'm not too envious of it. Nathan Shearer, head wrestling coach at WNL Washington and Lee, home of the Generals. Uh, we're not going to talk about uh, the one of those Generals and the politics that are going on in the world today, right now. <laughs> but it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Nate. I know my wife has she get this get this, folks, and I've got this wrestling shirt a day thing on Twitter hashtag wrestling shirt a day. And uh, a couple years ago, Nate sent me a really nice. Light blue, WNL, it was a rudest shirt. I'm like, oh, this is great. My wife ganked it from me, like, immediately. 
And uh, so, so thankfully, he has supplied me with a replacement, a nice gray one. And uh, let's just say, what uh, even though I wear a, a different wrestling shirt every day, there are certain shirts that are in my rotation when I feel like I'm going out or working in the yard or doing something. And I got to say that uh, the hometown state uh, state man Nate Shear comes through with a solid gray WNL Generals Wrestling T-shirt. So I appreciate that, and I uh, appreciate you coming on the show talking about uh, the topics here in Division Three Wrestling. Yeah, I tell you, everything, not only Division Three, but the sport of wrestling as a whole that, uh, that you do is, is tremendous. And, and, and I, I know everybody that I talk to is really appreciative of the time you put in. Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.